everyone, and thank you for joining and listening um, to me speak today. I am going to go over this episode, and I'm going to kind of talk about um, my path or my journey with um, suicide. As we know, mental health still has a stigma around it, and trying to normalize it is hard, especially for other people. You know, in my life and within my family, it is normal to talk about our mental health. It is normal not to be ashamed. It is normal to be proud that, yes, I'm not perfect. The trauma I've been through has put me through the ringer, has put me through shit. My first experience with... um trying to commit suicide was when I was 15 years old. I kind of went over this in a previous episode, but, um, you know, what I had told people why I swallowed a bottle of Prozac was because my boyfriend dumped me. Well, that was a lie. I was ashamed at the time just from previous experience, um, knowing that nobody would believe me I made up that lie. I was forced to give a blowjob Halloween night, sophomore year in high school. And it was not a good experience. You could say, some could say that I put myself in that situation. And for those people, they're very ignorant. Um... I always hung out with a lot of guys because guys were super chill. Girls were always dramatic and catty and I just wasn't all about the gossip and the rumor spreading. Like that just wasn't who I am as a person and that's still not who I am as a person. So I hung out with guys and I got along better with them. Um, Already, just by having a whole bunch of guy friends, you already get called names like a whore and a slut. Why? I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I remember I dressed up as a cheerleader that year and we went around trick-or-treating. And then we all went back to this guy's place and he was the most popular guy in school. Now, mind you, I lived in Albany, which is a really small town in Oregon. And I went to West Albany High, which is a very tiny school in Albany. So everybody kind of knew everybody in this town and within this school. And already there, that's pretty talk. That's a pretty toxic environment. Nothing stays secret. Um, you know, we had walked back to this guy's house and we got there. And I asked this particular guy who lived there, you know, hey, it's been a long night. Can I use your bathroom? And he was like, yeah, sure. He's like, follow me, I'll show you where it's at. Because his house was, you know, kind of big. And um, I didn't know where to go. It was my first time there. So I was in front and he was behind me. And he was kind of guiding me, walking with me, telling me where to go. You know, he told me, go down this hall, make a left. It's right there around the corner. And then as soon as I walk into the room, he steps in behind me, closes the door, turns on the light, locks the door. And lo and behold, we're in his room. I can remember his room very vividly. 
The wall where the door was was where his headboard was. His room was painted dark blue, I believe. Um, he had plaid sheets. It was a pretty big room. It was, I believe, on the second floor of his house. Um, and I remember turning around and asking him, like, this is not the bathroom. I don't know. I, ne- I didn't ask to see your room. And he's like, well, a lot of girls asked to see my room. And I'm like, okay great I'm not one of them you know just because I think you're hot doesn't mean I want to do anything with you I can have an opinion about what you look like doesn't necessarily mean I want to get in your pants or I want or that I want you to get my pants um you know and he was a big dude and he stood in front of his door and you know when I would try to go by he would like push me back and it wasn't a gentle push it was a forceful push You know, and in my mind, I was like, shit, here we go again. This is the third time that something like this has happened to me. I thought maybe as a teen it would stop, but apparently it hasn't. And I remember trying to leave. I remember going to his window and trying to jump out the window. Mind you, this is the second story of the house, but I was willing to jump out and reap the the consequences of that, whether that was a broken bone or whatever. And he pulled me back by my hair and I fell to the ground and then he locked his he locked his window, he closed it and locked it. And at that point I was just in complete and utter shock. I was I was frozen. I didn't know what to do. Um you know, and uh he began to unzip his pants and uh forced my head towards him and on him and um you know tears running down my eyes and kind of pushing myself back trying to get away but every time I pushed back he would push further in my mouth and so you know I just kind of uh went through it I figured if I stop fighting this will get over with sooner than if then if I keep uh, you know kept fighting it would have lasted longer um you know and he finished in my mouth he didn't pull out and that was horrific I felt like throwing up I felt disgusting I felt like diseased in a way it was you know it was pretty gross and um remember my eye my eyeliner was like running down my face because of the tears and you know he was like after that was finished he unlocked his door and was like here here's the bathroom so I went to the bathroom and I there was mouthwash sitting there and my immediate thought was mouthwash (laughs) um I tried to lean over the toilet and put my fingers down my throat to um throw up but I was unsuccessful so I was like fuck it mouthwash is going to be the best and I remember walking out into the living room and you know he had already gone out there and already told everybody that I gave him a you know a willingly blowjob and uh that wasn't the case and when I said that it wasn't it wasn't willingly they all laughed and was like yeah right you know you're a whore anyway blah 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 and it's like mind you I had had sex once before that to my 
boyfriend sophomore year of high school once never did anything else so how does that classify me as a whore hmm I you know I I don't understand that that next day I remember calling off I remember telling my mom that I didn't feel good and I wanted to stay home from school and um I was so disgusted with myself that I just stopped the urge to fight because I had no more fight in me and I was so disappointed in myself that I took one of my mom's bottles of Prozac and I swallowed the whole bottle as soon as I did that something told me what you're doing is wrong you shouldn't have done that call your mom called my mom she called 911 by that time I was already blacking out I don't remember anything what I remember is hearing loud bangs on my front door and I was upstairs in my mom's room because that's where the computer was during you know during that time was in her master bedroom and I don't remember much I remember the banging on the door and then I remember waking up in the ambulance and the ambulance, the way it was parked, my house was on a four-way stop, stop, there was like four stop signs and my house was right on the corner. So anybody at the stop signs would see my driveway and the way the ambulance was parked, the back was opened up toward, toward that four-way stop. And I remember sitting up on the gurney with all all this all these machines hanging to me and the EMTs and the firemen asking me all these questions that I could not comprehend and I remember seeing that guy's best friend pull up to the stop sign we caught eye we 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 locked eyes with each other and I thought to myself oh my god this is gonna be around school this is gonna be around school like oh I was dreading going back to school After that, I don't remember much. I remember waking up in the hospital and my mom was there and they gave me this white styrofoam cup full of um, activated liquid charcoal and they told me to swallow. For any of you who have tried to commit suicide with pills, you either got your stomach pumped or you got that activated liquid charcoal. If you had the activated liquid charcoal, you know what I'm going to be talking about. It makes you throw up. It is disgusting. Your mouth and your teeth are all black. You throw up on the white the white sheets, the hospital sheets. It's all black. No pills came up. They had already dissolved. And everybody was amazed that, you know, I was still alive. Um, that I didn't have a heart attack. And I believe that whatever was telling me to call my mom was the same energy that was telling me that it's not your time to go. A few days later, I remember going back to school and I was waiting for the rumors to fly and nothing was said. And I am surprised that that guy didn't say anything being the guy who forced himself on me that was his best friend unfortunately I don't remember his name I remember what he looks like I wish I could remember his name to tell him thank you but I don't remember 
And, you know, as time went by, I kind of forgot about it. And, you know, I didn't really talk about it with anyone. And if people asked me why I was out of school for a few days, I just said, oh, I was sick. I had the flu. So a few years went by. And when I was 18, I got to the point where my mental health was so deteriorated to the point that I felt like a hollow shell and I had a plan on New Year's Eve January 1st of 2008 that I would again swallow a bottle of pills but two to three days before Christmas I found out I was pregnant and my son saved my life I knew that me becoming pregnant at the age of 18 although I didn't agree with it and I was nowhere near ready for those of you who knew me knew I never wanted kids I wanted to work I was a workaholic I did not want kids at all but my son saved me I haven't had a thought haven't had an inkling haven't had any type of regret of not trying to swallow that second bottle of pills You know, my son, he saved me. And therefore, I owe him my life. And, you know, a lot of people don't know about that second time of the plan that I had. You know, most people, when they're depressed, they cut themselves or they hit themselves or they pull out their hair. Mine wasn't physical. Mine was all internal. I was beating myself up inside. I was telling myself that I was just a hollow shell for pedophiles to take advantage of. And I don't remember when, but one day I woke up and I was like, fuck them. They cannot control my life no more. And I started to change my mindset. Now, mind you, it is very hard to do that when you come from a deep, dark place full of trauma and PTSD and anxiety. It is very, very hard. I give props to anybody who has been suicidal or who had a failed attempt at suicide and has now changed their life into a positive. I give you so much high praise because you know how hard it is just like I know how hard it is and for those of you who are suicidal please love yourself your pain is temporary even though you may feel like you're alone in the world you're not there are many others in your position or in a similar position and unfortunately, some of those others, you know, are, not, are no longer with us. But for those others, they are hanging on because they know that that's not the way to go. No matter how dark your days are, no matter how low you feel, no matter what people think of you, You know, fuck them. Surround yourself with positivity. 
go find groups of people who have suffered from the same traumas or similar traumas. You know, join support groups. Even if you are embarrassed to go physically, there's virtual. You have you can hide behind a screen until you're comfortable enough to go out there and be like, this is me. My name is Tiffany. I've tried to commit suicide. I had a plan to commit suicide again. You know, I no longer have these thoughts. I have worked through it. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And let me tell you, it took me years. And I think what finally turned the tables was knowing that my son had to be dependent on me. You know, and that made me change my outlook on life and the way I perceive life and perceive things and the way I look at things. I look at things differently, differently than most people. And, you know, some of you may disagree with how I look at things. Some of you may agree, but everybody sees what they want to see when they see it during that time of whatever happening of whatever is happening in your life. If there's a lot of negative things happening in your life, then you're going to see a lot of negative things. You're going to think very negatively. But if you surround yourself with positive people and positive beings, positive things are going to happen to you. It's all about the energies you put out. You put out negative energies, you'll receive negative energies. You put out positive energies, you'll receive positive energies and positive things will start happening. And it's amazing when you change that mindset and when you realize that you're not alone, that you're not the only person suffering from this because I'm not and you're not. We're in this together, whether we are aware of our next door neighbors or our coworkers or our friends or our families are in the same position. We may not be aware consciously, but unconsciously we are very, very aware. And, um, you know, I can always kind of feel what people are feeling. I can kind of read their body language and their emotions and I can kind of know if they're having a bad day or a good day or if something's bothering them, you know? And I believe we all have that kind of sixth sense and it's being in tune with that and being in tune with the universe and with others and with yourself. And, you know, I used to think that You know, committing suicide was the way to, was the way to do it, was the way to go. I felt like everybody would be happier if I was gone. You know, I felt like there was no, I felt like I was just taking up space in the world. I was just taking up precious oxygen. And that was because of what was instilled in me at a very young age. And sometimes you have to break those ties and and not let those ties engulf themselves within your life and so what i want to say is just that you know my journey with suicide is going to be different than yours but suicide is still suicide still trying to commit suicide is still trying to commit suicide you're not alone. Reach out for help. There are plenty of hotlines. There are plenty of, of Facebook, you know, um, groups 
there's, you know, I know that there are Zoom um, meetings that you don't have to show your face that you could show up to. You know, there's resources out there. Love yourself. Self-care and self-love is the beginning of your healing journey. You know, even if it's five minutes a week, put five minutes aside, take a long, hot shower, think positively, you know, think of things, think of the areas where you think negatively about yourself and turn those areas into a positive. What can I do to make it positive? You know, and don't expect results in an instant. This shit takes years to retrain your mind. Your brain takes years to retrain your emotions. Takes years to retrain your energy. Takes years. It's the courage. It's the dedication. The determination is how you you succeed. And it's how we beat this. It's how we beat mental health. It's how we beat suicide. The stigma around suicide. The stigma around mental health. You are not alone. You are not alone. Mm-hmm.